Hey there, Halifax. Welcome back to the Halablab. And we're pre-recording an episode today. So hopefully it won't be a rainy Friday or a snowy Friday, but a sunny Friday when you're listening to this. Uh, I'm your host, Anita Kirkbride. And today my guest is Corinne Boudreaux, who we're going to get to in, in just a minute. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, please post your comments and uh, suggestions and let us know what you're thinking about what we're talking about. We'd love to have some thoughts from the peanut gallery out there about what's going on in the business world and social media and the things that we're talking about because I think uh, what we talk about on here is relevant to everybody and so we love to have your feedback on that. If you're catching this on the podcast, please do consider joining me live on uh, a Friday afternoon. Usually I am live on Facebook at uh, 1.30 p.m. Atlantic over on the Twerp Communications page. Every once in a while, we pre-record like this week, but generally you can catch us live over on Facebook and I'd love to have you join us there. Today, my guest is Corinne Boudreaux. Corinne is an experienced lawyer who has worked with small business owners for over 15 years. Corinne has a passion for sharing legal information in a way that can be easily digested and applied by busy business owners. Corinne is originally from Cape Breton Island and lives in Halifax, Nova Scotia with her spouse and two children. Her hobbies include playing guitar with her band, I love this name, the Mother Pluckers, and playing and coaching hockey. And I think there may be some basketball involved there and all kinds of other interesting and unique things. Welcome, Corinne. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Anita. It's great to be here. Tell me, okay, this is totally not business related, but where did the name Mother Pluckers come from? Well, the whole thing started as a hockey team. So it was a bunch of mothers who had watched their kids play hockey and decided to start playing hockey themselves. So this group started a few years before me and they gave themselves the name the Mother Pluckers. So that's, <laughs> that's the hockey team. So I, uh, in 2010, I decided I'd always wanted to play hockey. So I found them. I actually Googled like women's hockey and I came up, found their group and started playing with them. So the original name is the Mother Puckers, which is the hockey team. And uh -huh. then after Shinny, so Shinny is kind of when you play without refs and it's, you know, informal. We started going to someone's house and it turns out, you know, as women do, you chat about everything under the sun. Turns out a lot of us played instruments. So then out of that came the band. And the band, because there were so many of us playing guitars, um, the band name became the Mother Pluckers. So we've, <laughs> we've been a band playing together since 2010. And we've had a lot of interesting experiences. So you guys spend a lot of time together because you play hockey together and you play music together. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Just like another family, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great. Um, I say one of the magical parts about it is we get together weekly, or at least we try to get together weekly to practice music or to play mm -hmm. music. So, you know, we've had people whose spouses have died, you know, whose kids have been looking for jobs and, you know, all of life's ups and downs. We've celebrated people getting married and having grandchildren and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, been together when people have gone through tough things. So um, just getting together weekly, I think, is part of the magic to get into that routine but music, music is I, I also say magical absolutely in fact I just read a quote the other day I forget who said it but it was something to the effect of music is the only true magic in the world right 
And I'm sitting, you can see, I believe that. I'm sitting, what's behind me today, this is the best light in my house, but this piano is over 110 years old, it used to belong to my great-grandparents Wow. in reserve mines in Cape Breton. And it's the piano I learned to play piano on, so it's a special piece of furniture in the house too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, of course, lawyers are no different than anybody else. Lawyers have hobbies, but we don't think about lawyers as being musical, maybe. Maybe that's just my own stereotypes. But um, I've had the pleasure of listening to you solo and you, the Mother Pluckers, play a few times. Um, you guys played for the Center for Women in Business and got to play backup, if you will, to Lisa Richard, which must have been kind of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I said worlds were colliding, to use the mm -hmm. Seinfeld term, last year when we got an invite to the Center for Women in Business to play. And I'm like, oh, band life and business life. Okay, we're, we're Lisa Richard is a pro, I have to say. She's yeah. a chiropractor, but she is a pro singer. We are, we have fun. Somebody said to us one time, you're really something. We don't, we don't yet know what that something is. We are something. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of fun. So actually a couple of people in our band, Lisa Richard is their chiropractor. So it wasn't even me. When they saw her, they're like, oh, Lisa, you have to come up. So that, that all just happened very uh, yeah, organically. Fun. Yeah. So it was really fun. And that's part yeah. of the fun of music too, is just jamming and being spontaneous. So it was great to be able to play for her. Do you think, do you think the fact that you talk, I mean, you talk about on your social media, you talk about the fact that you play hockey, you share pictures, you talk about your music. I think there probably are videos out there on social media of you playing your guitar. Seems to me, I saw a picture of you taking your guitar with you to California recently. Um, do you think that helps to set you apart from all the other lawyers out there? I think so. Um, many years ago, someone came to my office and this was when I was at a big law firm and I could tell, and, and I, I shouldn't have set up this meeting in the giant boardroom, but there was the giant boardroom overlooking Halifax Harbor. And it was a boardroom for like 30 people. And it was mm -hmm. me and uh, another small business owner. And I could feel how nervous they were. Um, and she told me straight up, I was so afraid to come to a lawyer's office and I've gotten that comment over and over. I don't know what it is about lawyers. Sometimes we make ourselves intimidating. So when I started my own firm about six years ago, I then felt that I had the freedom to just be who I was, just mm -hmm. you know, say all of it. And again, probably some of it was a function of my age. I wasn't 20 anymore. You know, I was 40, and I was comfortable being who I more comfortable being who I was. Uh, but I also think it works in social media. I think it does kind of give you a personality. That was some of the advice I got from people yeah. is if you're going to do social media, you know, show your whole self. Um, and, and, and I've actually gotten comments from clients who've hired me as a lawyer to say, I, I was given three names by my accountant. I went onto your website. You seem to have a bit of personality. I saw that you played hockey. Okay, that had nothing to do with the corporate transaction that I was going to be doing for them, but it just made them feel like I was, I don't know, going to be a little bit more fun to deal with. Yeah. Well, I love that because I tell people all the time when you, whether you're networking in person or you're networking on Twitter, 
talk about the things that you do outside of business because you never know when talking about the fact that you are a horseback rider because I've learned that about people in my networking circles you never know when that's the thing that's going to connect you with your next potential client so it's great to hear that that's working for you because I do think it's very different than pretty much any other lawyer I can think of in Halifax at least I can't think of another hockey playing guitar picking lawyer in town not that I want you to name one but it does set you apart and that personality is really important yeah I think I think lawyers are in general pretty interesting people but I think they generally um, it gets we're sort of it's suggested to us that we hold that back and we sort of have a lawyer persona. Every mm -hmm. the joke in law school is everyone gets their haircut in second year before they go for interviews, and we sort of like just become this what what we think is expected of us. So right. I think that translates into uh, the public face of lawyers. Mm -hmm. But I think yeah. they're a more interesting group than people would think. I'm sure. So tell us about you worked for one of the big companies. You don't have to name the company, but you worked for a big law firm. Then you went out and started your own law firm. And now you're doing something totally different in the online space, more as an entrepreneur, but still in the legal arena. Tell us about that journey from big corporate law firm to entrepreneur. How did that happen and why? Um, I think I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I did a business degree at Acadia many moons ago. But I think at that time, it's funny now talking to kids, there was no entrepreneurship education as part of a mm -hmm. business degree. And I thought I really had to invent Velcro in order to be an entrepreneur. That <laughs> sounds silly now when I say it out loud. But, um, but I really loved solving, solving puzzles and kind of solving problems. So, and my dad's a lawyer. Um, so I think I always had it in the back of my mind. So I did a business degree went to law school and then what you're supposed to do is get the best job that you can. So I went to a law firm that was great. I definitely learned the ropes, got to work on some great, got to work with some great clients and uh, you really learn what it's in law school. They teach you about the law and really it's not until you get out to practice how you learn to be a lawyer. So mm. how do you talk to clients? How do you, you know, deal with all those things and help people solve problems. But it, it's definitely a certain business model being at a big law firm. And after a while, I just felt like that wasn't a great fit for me. The other thing that sort of became obvious is I loved small business owners. I loved the variety of people, the personalities and also the businesses that people started, but being at a really big firm wasn't always the best fit for small business owners. So, mm -hmm. so then I was trying to figure out what to do next. I actually had a, a, a brief time also at Deloitte because I'm a tax a tax lawyer um, so I was there as well and uh, I really wanted to make I used to joke when I was at a big law firm to say my clients loved me until they got my bill <laughs> and, and that's an unfortunate truism sometimes because I and I came to really hate uh, hourly billing and just giving really big bills to small business owners to help them mm -hmm. So I really wanted to do something different. So when I started my own law firm, um, I wanted to do fixed fee billing, which six years ago, it's still uh, not widely used by lawyers, but it was quite 
innovative six years ago. So I started to get involved in uh, a lot of innovative talk about innovation in, in the legal industry. Um, and that's kind of where I really got hooked actually on social media was Twitter because there were a lot of great conversations going on and there still are among lawyers and law professors and other public and private bodies about innovation in law. And I really caught wind of those discussions on Twitter. Um, so I just kind of became, I guess, emboldened by the fact that, oh, some people are doing innovative things. And so when I started my own firm, I had a really blank sheet of paper. And there's something, I don't, I don't know how many times I'm going to say magical in this episode, but um, <laughs> it's much easier to be innovative when you don't have any clients and you're starting something from scratch. That's, yes. it's, it's much harder to, if you have an existing practice and have existing clients that are used to things being done a certain way. So I kind of had the magic of starting with a blank sheet of paper and saying, okay, I am designing a law firm from scratch. What do I think it should look like? So that was starting my own law firm six years ago. Um, <clears throat> and having fixed fees really changes the way it changes the conversations that you have with clients. It, it, put some onus on the lawyer to be, um, you know, efficient and effective, but also to have all those systems in place, have the sort of proactive conversations with clients. Um, so yeah, it, it changed my relationship with my clients for the, for the better. Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of one step along the way. And the next step along the way was, and I think lawyers always do educate their clients. So if you, you were to come in, or at least good lawyers, I think. So if you were to come <laughs> into my office with a, if your question is, should I incorporate? I think I should always spend some time talking to you about that question before I actually start incorporating your business. So I think I always had education as part of my service anyway. But um, about two years ago, I got a phone call from Nora Perry, who's a, business advisor at the Center for Women in Business. She said, you know, we're doing all these workplace education programs um, that different business associations can, can participate in. I'm getting all kinds of legal questions that I don't always feel comfortable answering. Can you put together a program? So that's really where the legal essentials uh, part of the business started because there was a need. I was kind of, I kind of like teaching anyway. Um, so that's where that started. So I developed 40 hour program. That's how workplace mm -hmm. education works. Um, 40 hour course on legal essentials. So I've delivered that five times in person. Mm -hmm. It became, then, sorry, go ahead. And, and now it's becoming an online mm -hmm. course, right? That's right. Because then the next thing that happens is once you deliver it in Halifax and Sackville and Truro, um, People say, well, can you come to Sydney? Can you come to Yarmouth? Can you come to, you know, wherever in Amherst? Um, and the way that that course works, you have to do it over 10 weeks. So it just didn't seem doable to me to, um, to go to Sydney for a 40 hour program. Oops. There's always something notification that you haven't heard. <laughs> um, 
So, and I had also been learning a lot because I was really interested in innovation and law. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to put this online, I want to learn about the online world. So I started mm -hmm. taking online courses. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is definitely going to go online. I did not realize at the time what a different world that was and all mm -hmm. of the bits that you need to know about, you know, yeah, digital marketing and building a curriculum online. And it's definitely been a steep learning curve. So I've been really building the foundation of that over the last year. You mean you can't just put up a website and be a millionaire and have a private jet and a Ferrari? See, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I was promised at the beginning, but apparently not. No. Yeah, I think there's a lot of backlash around those promises now. The people that are out there making it sound like, oh, all you have to do is put up a landing page and you'll be able to sell whatever it is you do. And often that's a course on how to put up a landing page and sell whatever it is you do. Right. <laughs> um, I'm seeing a lot of backlash against that whole marketing millionaire lifestyle marketing tactic now because it is, it's a lot of work. I have a client that I'm working with right now to get up a landing page and um, a, a web it's a it's a pre-recorded webinar that walks people through a system and it has taken us at least three months maybe four to get through all of the stuff to get this into place and I think maybe next week we will finally make it live so I think people really underestimate just how much work there is if they're not in that space already if they're learning if they're a lawyer learning all of this from scratch or if they're a um, a fashion designer learning all this from scratch. It's, it's a ton of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if this is the, the, the right time to bring up my, she doesn't like when we call her a guru, but Amy Porterfield is one of the people I've been following to the promised land on all this kind of stuff. Yes. And I think that's one of the things I really respect about her is um, she doesn't promise you any shortcuts. She'll, she'll give you the step-by-step. So if you want to build an email list, here are the things that you need to do. If you want to have a webinar, you know, here's what you do before the webinar, during the webinar, yeah. after the webinar. Um, <clears throat> but I think she does everything with a lot of integrity and uh, breaks it all down, but doesn't sugarcoat anything. Says, this is going to be a lot of work, but it will also be very uh, rewarding when you do the work. Yeah. And, and you always have to keep your, you know, your ideal clients in mind you're doing it for them it's about them it's not about you and i think that's um, another thing that when you're a professional or a business owner sometimes you have to get out of your own head this is not me talking about whatever i want to talk about this is me talking about what my people need to know that's that's one of the things I talk a lot about when I talk to people about how to do their social media is figure out what it is that would be helpful to your ideal client in your niche. So figure out what is it people are typing into Google? What are they looking for that you want Google to serve up your website for? <clears throat> so they're typing in um, how to do a or contract template for a podcast. Well, you want your contract template to be on top of that list. So what do people search for? Write about that. And that's the kind of content that people are looking for and the kind of content that's interesting and should be 
easier for us to produce because we're just answering client questions. And I think Amy's really good at pointing that kind of stuff out. And, and I do like Amy. I think we need more AIM Porterfields out there telling us this is hard work. And, but if you do it and you do it right and you stick with it, it can work. And I think, uh, you know, I did used to teach at the dental school uh, at Dalhousie. <clears throat> and, um, and, you know, when you design, and I actually designed some of the curriculum, it's business law for dentists. So I'm not teaching them about mm -hmm. extractions. I get that question a lot. What are you teaching <laughs> dentists? Don't worry. It's not anything about dentistry. It's about business law. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm actually in the process of revising the chapter that I wrote for their textbook. So dentists read my work all across Canada, dental students. Wow. Um, but you know, when you're an academic, you tell them, you tell them what they need to know. I'm the one choosing what I'm writing about and what the topics are. And because I am the all knowing one, I did not ever survey a fourth year dental student to ask them what they wanted to know. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but I think the online course and it's in it, that one's pretty practical. I would have to say when I taught at law school, it was definitely more academic. So part of it is getting out of that mindset too. I think workplace education is actually, that was a helpful transition for me because one of the, the first things, as you know, you're an instructor for workplace education. Mm -hmm. When you do the individual needs assessments, you do actually sit with somebody and say, why did you sign up for this course? What do you want to get out of it? What do you need to know about this topic? Right. So, that was a good kind of transition into that mindset. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So tell us, you've got some things on your website now that are helpful for people. What can people get on your website now? So the first course that I have up there is called Website Legal Essentials. So that mm -hmm. was a topic that kept coming up over and over again. Obviously, if people are online, most people have a website. So these are the four things that if you have a business website, you should have on your website. So the first one is a copyright notice. So that tells people that you own your content. Okay. Um, and, and for most people, you would say something like all rights reserved. And you know, you can't use my content without permission from me. But there's a module on that just and, and mm -hmm. part of the flip side of that is you also shouldn't be using other people's stuff when you're building your website. So don't go grab a picture randomly from the internet and put it on your homepage. And so it talks, yeah, yeah I'm speaking your language. Um, but it talks a little bit about, and again, I'm all about context. So I want people to know when they put a copyright notice on their website, what that actually, why you're doing that and what it actually means. So that's the first module. The second module is about privacy policies. So every website is collecting some kind of information. If it's not, I'm not sure why it's there, but you know, it could be a simple contact form that you're asking for people's name and uh, email address. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're collecting personal information, you need to have a privacy policy under Canadian law. So it has a, uh, it again, it explains some of the principles of our privacy legislation. You have to tell people, for instance, why you're collecting the personal information and how you're going to use it. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're going to disclose it and if you're using cookies or pixels or all that kind of stuff. So that's the second module. And again, it has a downloadable template, <clears throat> excuse me, that people can use. Um, the third one are legal disclaimers. So again, if you're giving um, information, the risk in that, 
So if you're putting, if you're creating great content, putting it up there, the risk is that someone will read it, do what they think you have said, and then maybe not get the best outcome and could potentially come back to you and say, but you told me if I did this, I would get a thousand followers and I would make all kinds of money. So right. it's important to have some disclaimers in there to say, you know, again, things like this is for information, you know, it's up to you to follow through and I'm not going to be responsible for the results of, you know, whatever. Results not guaranteed. That's results right. may differ from the picture in the rear view mirror. <laughs> and then the fourth part is uh, the terms of use. So it just says mm -hmm. terms of use are kind of the all encompassing rules for using your website. So it will include the, the first three things that I just said. You can put hyperlinks in there to say, here's our privacy policy. Mm -hmm. upgrade. Um, so forth, legal disclaimers, but you also sometimes want to add things about um, other rules. So if you have a refund policy or money back guarantee policy on some of your products or services, or if you want to set rules around uh, like inappropriate content. So again, you want the right to take down people's comments if they're abusive or um, that kind of thing. So if you have sort of a community part as part of your website, you might want to have some rules around that. So that's kind of the, that's the website legal essentials course. Well, apparently I need to go take that course because I have a copyright statement and that's it. <laughs> I need to go institute those other three things immediately. Yeah. Um, I have two other templates. Uh, so far, all of these things that are on my website are as a result of someone asking me, do you have this? And I went, okay, yes, I do. Exactly. So, Again, um, I'm now in a community of course creators. So I've created an online course agreement for Canada. So that's up on my website. And the third thing, um, which does, it has a landing page, but it isn't in my story yet. I'm going to fix that this afternoon, um, is a coaching agreement. So again, a lot of coaches, what I've found are online. So they have either individual or coaching or group coaching um, online and they, they're creating more products and all this kind of stuff. And again, we're having trouble finding a Canadian version of a coaching agreement mm -hmm. that covers. And, you know, that's a pretty intimate relationship with some expectations on both sides. And you definitely need some disclaimers in there and all that kind of stuff. So, but it's definitely built specifically for professional coaches. Mm -hmm. so, that's so, so those, all three of those things are are on your website or will be by this afternoon, by the time people get this video or this podcast. So definitely if you've got a website and you're doing anything online at all, you should go check those out to see if they're, they're useful for you and check out that course. Um, let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about social media because that's kind of part of the point of this whole show. So what's your favorite social platform right now? Right now it's Instagram. And I have to okay. say this has changed over over periods of time. I said, you know, six years ago, um, for many years, I loved Twitter. So I've got a bunch of Twitter followers because that was my favorite. Um, so I went to an Amy Porterfield course in California in August and I, it was kind of embarrassing, but kind of cool. I met Jasmine Starr there, who's mm -hmm. an Instagram person, a photographer slash Instagram person. And she said to me, like, and she, I can't completely, do an impression of her, but she's basically like, girl, 
your people are on Instagram. You need to be on Instagram when I told her what I was doing. And so that was it. I was like, okay. So since August, again, the end of August, I've been uh, interacting. See, for me, a lawyer, I was thinking, what pictures am I going to put up on Instagram? I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but I think I've kind of figured it out. And again, followed along with the theme of it's okay for me to put pictures up there of me playing hockey or the band or kids or, you know, whatever shows my personality, but also weave in some things that I'm involved with and some business things that I'm involved with and some legal tips. So that's my favorite right now. Um, what makes you, what is it that you, why is it your favorite right now? You went from not using it to it being your favorite. So what makes it your favorite right now? Um, I think I'm getting a lot of engagement. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's why I used to do Facebook lives. And I think what would kind of, why I wasn't loving it anymore is I just wasn't getting, it was crickets. It was crickets on my Facebook lives. Now people would watch it on the replay, but mm -hmm. I wasn't getting, after a while, I wasn't getting as much engagement. Now when I post things, I get, um, you know, comments. I also get a bunch of DMs, which I didn't know what they were before August either. I mean, I could could have guessed, but I've started experimenting with some Instagram stories and getting DMs and actually had some interesting conversations with people who are exactly my ideal clients who I, I feel like, I feel like I wouldn't have had those conversations elsewhere. So I guess that's what's, it's a little bit new and exciting, you know, like a new relationship maybe, but, um, yeah, it's definitely been the engagement so far. Well, that's good because a lot of people, I talk to people all the time who aren't there yet, who are scared to go there because they don't understand it. And they think their people aren't there. And just like Jasmine Starr, I'm constantly telling people, your people are there. You just need to learn how to talk to them. So you've you got to go, you have to go where your people are. And right now people are on Instagram. So maybe not all people, but a lot of people are on Instagram. And Instagram is well over double the size of Twitter now. So it's definitely one of the platforms that people should be giving serious consideration to. Yeah. And I still am on Twitter and am on Facebook. Um, but yeah, Instagram is definitely my favorite. Right now. Mm -hmm. It Which, is kind of funny because I collide a little bit with my daughter and a few of her friends follow me. So they make some comments on my Instagram stories, but. <laughs> oh, well, I have two teenage daughters and they're both on Instagram and they're pretty private. Actually, they don't share pictures of themselves. They mostly are on there to have private conversations like messaging service really yeah. with their friends. But my uh, younger daughter will send me all the memes she thinks are funny. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's been a good relationship building exercise with her because she sends me stuff that she's not sure she could say out loud, like with swear words and so on, <laughs> but she knows that mom's going to appreciate it. So she sends it to me that way. And then she doesn't, I think she feels like she won't get in trouble that way. <laughs> yeah. It's also an interesting insight into my 12 year old son who's just kind of gotten into Instagram and what he posts about. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yeah. But I, uh, I definitely use it for business and, and I don't repost their stuff or anything like that. But yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. Give me some technical tips. So 
So I'm like, I'm trying to make something live. And anyway, so they're helpful that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you use the face masks and so on or? Uh, not quite yet. No, no. <laughs> we'll get there. Baby We'd rather just see you. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not much into the, I like to take pictures and play with the masks sometimes, but I don't post them a lot. Right. Yeah. Which network are you liking the least right now? Which one are you kind of avoiding or just not using as much? Um, probably Facebook. Mm -hmm. I, I came to Facebook somewhat reluctantly. I, I, I'm sure when Facebook started, I had a personal uh, profile, but I found it creepy almost from the very beginning. Um, I was dragged into it again, kicking and screaming somewhat um, when I started my own business. Because people mm -hmm. were like, okay, you need to have a business page. And so again, I put up a business page and then people started friending me on the personal side, but I've never really felt 100% comfortable with Facebook. I'm not sure why. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. And then for a while it was, again, I was getting engagement, which was the fun part. For me, social media is about engaging with people which I wouldn't necessarily meet. I should say there's one uh, exception to that. I'm involved in a couple of Facebook groups. Again, some of them are offshoots of either Amy Porterfield's program or Marie Forleo's B-School. And from them, I found a couple of other so I'm focusing on women entrepreneurs in Canada. And so I've found a couple of Facebook groups with people all across Canada who are very engaged and have some really good you know, leaders for lack of a better word in the Facebook group. So that's been kind of cool to uh, engage with people there. Cause people are always asking questions like, that's where the people were asking questions like, oh, do you have an online course agreement? Or people ask questions. I'm still here. Okay. What's the difference between <laughs> mark and copyright or should I copyright my, my course name or should I copyright my, or should I trademark my, um, you know, Facebook group name or so all of those kind of interesting conversations that's Facebook mm. groups are a lot of, not so much my own Facebook group, but other Facebook groups have been where I've kind of learned what questions people are asking. Yeah, it, it's really interesting to look at Facebook groups from a market research perspective. I found myself doing that this morning. I've noticed some of the groups that I'm in, the owners or even some of the times the members will ask a question and it's a great question and you start answering it and you realize if, if, you're, if you're engaged in any market research of your own, you know that's what they're doing. They want a whole bunch of people to answer this question so they know what phrases to use when they go out and market something. Yep. I can see it as clear as day and now I'm thinking, oh, I just I just told this person how to market that program to me. Damn it, that's probably gonna cost me $100. <laughs> but they are great sources of not just networking but great sources of market research if you go in with that mindset. And I think a lot of people just go into a group and think broadcast, 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 just somebody come buy my stuff and they don't think about the other ways that that source can be used. Yeah. And I also feel a certain, um, I don't know, responsibility is the wrong word, but all the stuff that I've figured out in the last year, the hard way 
if someone's asking a question about some of that stuff, I'm happy to jump in and share what I've learned in the last year of this whole online marketing world. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, and my whole business really is based on sharing what I learn about stuff. That's what I do on my blog. That's what I do in some of the videos I do. It's like I'm constantly telling people what I've learned. And I've said to many people that I really believe that's how many consulting businesses should be built, that you're putting all this information on your blog. It shows your expertise. If somebody really, really, really wanted to do social media and felt they couldn't afford to hire me to help them in whatever way. If they started reading my blog from back to front, they would learn just about everything I know because I put it all out there. They just don't get the art of it. The art of doing something is sometimes harder to convey. Right. And going back to our friend, Amy Porterfield, um, a lot of times- Your BFF. My BFF. She gets questions a lot about what should be free content and what should be paid content. And she's always saying she gives a lot away in her podcast, for instance. She gives a lot of yeah. great information and teaching. Um, and again, if, if you went back and watched all 200 and however many podcasts there are now, you would probably get most of her program. Yeah. But what your job as the course creator is, it's a couple of things. One is um, to give somebody the roadmap. So, to give somebody the roadmap so they don't have to go look in 57 different places. Yes. Give them the roadmap of how do you get from A to Z. And that's my big course that's coming out in January. That's what it's going to do is to say, here are all the things. Here, here's all that you need to know about mm-hmm. these things. So here's how you go from A to Z. And to give them the step-by-step. So it's not just the what. I talk a lot more about the what in my free content and then the how. And then the templates and the tools are really what people are paying for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's okay to give away that stuff for free, but yeah, it's kind of all over the place. So business owners we know are so busy. You want to give them the shortest route. So that's why I'm, that's, what's really, I'm sure my mother and others have been like, why is this taking so long? But I'm trying to distill, you know, distill everything down to the essence of what, what does somebody really need to know? Not do, what do I want to talk about? Yeah, well, you're taking a a four-year law degree and distilling it down into, what, 40 hours worth of content? Yeah, I think even less. Yeah. Yeah. But some of it is, like, it'll be, the course content is going to be shorter. What's going to be longer is, again, the if somebody wants to work through a checklist or work through a template, that might take them longer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, one more question about social media. How is... How is social media helping your business? Um, I think one of it is just, I mean, a big one is awareness. So um, Mm -hmm. I think it's helped people to find out who I wouldn't have otherwise known, especially outside of Nova Scotia. So I've only ever practiced law in Nova Scotia, but I'm building the course to, to be applicable to business owners all across Canada. So it's helping to get the word out all across Canada without me mm-hmm. having to get on a plane and go to these different places. So or buy TV ads. Right. Or billboards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's grown my reach and awareness that way. Um, but I think the listening function is something that has, again, really helped me to mm-hmm. tap into 
So part of what I did was interview a bunch of my ideal clients. And I found those people online through social media. So I'm not sure how I would have found them otherwise. I'm sure I could have. I'm sure I could have sent out emails or called people or hired a marketing research mm -hmm. company. Yeah, it allowed me to find potential ideal clients and have a conversation with them. So. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, so you have another project on the go that we haven't really talked about. Uh, the uh, women, what's it called? <laughs> women doing cool stuff. Women doing cool things. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. I know. I think uh, it's a podcast. Times, yeah. Yeah. So tell us what, what's the idea behind your podcast? Well, <clears throat> so I really want to, if I go back to my why, why did I switch from a big law firm to running my own law firm to doing what I'm doing now? I mean, I really want to help women business owners grow their businesses. And my passion is really in and, and women, there's been lots of research about them being underrepresented and not getting enough financing and all this kind of stuff. So, but that's really my why. And as soon as I decided to focus on women, I thought, um, I want to tell their stories. I want to get to know more women across the country. I want to kind of allow them to talk, you know, tell their stories and talk about their struggles and all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. and I've, I've become a listener of, of podcasts over the last number of years. So I just like that medium. I found out when I did one of these um, assessments of my learning style that I am an auditory learner. So it's probably not surprising that I would like podcasts and mm -hmm. I listen to radio. So uh, part of it is what I like uh, podcast. I've, I've been thinking for a while about what kind of podcast I wanted to do. I thought that a weekly podcast about legal topics would be a bit dry. And again, I wanted to sort of flip it to the other angle um, to talk about someone else's story, not necessarily to just be the one talking all the time. Right. So the focus on women is because I want to tell their stories. It's light on legal content, but again, I try to tie in what I have a, a legal minute to give a tip on somehow related to what they're talking about. And, uh, yeah, and I just like podcasts, so that's sort of how I came up with that. Awesome, and it, it is interesting to hear stories of different women who are doing all kinds of interesting things, and we certainly have lots of interesting women here in Halifax and in Nova Scotia, but you're talking to women outside of the province too, I think, aren't you? Yeah, and I've it's given me an excuse just from a marketing perspective to reach out to people. So again, mm -hmm. there was a woman on in this Facebook group and she and people make these posts on Facebook groups all the time. And I usually just scroll through and don't say anything. But it's kind of like, hi, I'm so and so and I want to connect with women and I've started my business. And I'm just looking for like minded people to connect with. And usually I don't know what to say to that post. And I was like, and this person actually had a super interesting story. And I was like, wow, do you want to be on the podcast? So that gives me an excuse right there to reach out to her. Mm -hmm. connect with her. Um, she's in Ontario, I believe. Um, so yeah, it just gives me an excuse to connect with her. Um, so she's, her name is Amal. She's going to be on an upcoming episode of the podcast. And she's got yeah. some interesting stories. So that's, that's one of the things I like about doing Halab Lab too, is just, it gives me an excuse to reach out to all kinds of different types of businesses 
that I may not see at networking and to learn about them and to promote them and just to promote that we have a really thriving small business community here in Halifax. And so I just really enjoy hearing how people got into the business that they're doing and what they're doing. And there's just so many cool businesses. I don't think I could do this every, probably every day of the year forever and ever and never get through all of the really interesting businesses that we have here. So I'm not going to do it every day because that would be exhausting. No, but I think, you know, and you know, all the people who are into storytelling and branding, you know, will say that we connect on a very human level with stories. And then mm -hmm. when people first said that, I was like, Hmm, but I, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, wow, that's, it really is a powerful thing to, to have somebody tell their story. So. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, what is your one best tip for a small business owner who's out there, who's thinking about getting into social media? What's your one best tip for them for social media? I feel like you're asking me um, a question that you could be answering, but no. Well, I could, but I really like to have the input from other people because people get tired of hearing it from me sometimes. <laughs> Well, I guess the theme of my social media, which we've already talked about, is don't be afraid to show all the parts of yourself. Um, again, a lot of the positive reaction that I've gotten from people on social media is not about law or lawyering or my law firm or anything legal. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been about all the, you know, the fun. I think the fun comes through in what I do. And so that's just been... I don't think it's been hard to do that, but I think I've had times when I did it and I put something out there and then the lawyer part of my brain was like, whoa, why did you just sing on your podcast? Like, why did you do that? You didn't even, yeah. So, um, but again, I think that's, I think it's good to show all the parts of your personality because then people connect with you on a, on a more human level, not just a, a talking head or a suit or whatever so yeah absolutely. absolutely well I've mentioned to a few people and I haven't I haven't talked about it on here yet but I have a new podcast project that I am uh, starting to work on that will hopefully come out early in the new year called understanding you and it's my journey towards figuring out what I believe in this world and um boy, you know, people are really going to learn a lot about me and the way I think it's probably it's going to be a very vulnerable um, type of podcast where I'm going to be reading a lot of self help books and talking to a lot of life coaches and um, just trying to figure out what it is I believe about energy and source and positivity and gratitude and all of that stuff. Because I don't know what I believe. So um, this is going to be a new experience for me talking about myself that way. And uh, that should be a good experiment. So that one's coming in the new year. I'm in the middle of my first book right now. So sounds awesome. But yeah, it's very vulnerable to talk about um, to step away from, I think the thing that you're the expert at. So I feel less nervous if I'm talking about disclaimers or waivers incorporation. Yeah. Um, all, you know, when I start talking about, yeah, writing a song or singing at a senior's home where my grandmother used to live or any of that kind of stuff, 
yeah, it, it makes you feel more vulnerable. But yeah. again, I think that's, that's cool. Yeah. It, it's hard. It, it's, it is scary, but I'm going to do it because um, I'm a firm believer that we, we can't be fearless. I don't, I don't believe we can ever get rid of fear, but I do believe we can be brave or courageous. And that's just simply seeing the fear and doing it anyway. So I see the fear of being vulnerable on this podcast. I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to uh, share my journey with everybody to um, hopefully help somebody else. That's the only reason I would possibly do this. So anyway, I'll talk more about that in the new year. For now, I want to thank you for joining me today and letting uh, my listeners know about the legal essentials that you have on your website. We're going to drop the links to your website in the comments below this video so people can go grab those templates and the uh, course that you have and sign up so they can find out about the one that's coming out, the big one, if they need that help. So I've got, yeah, some freebies on there. So there's um, there's a, a, a one-page sort of PDF of how do you know when you need to incorporate, so that's free. Um, there's also kind of the bits that you need in your online course agreement, a freebie for that, and 10 tips to review business contracts. So those are all freebies on my website. You can just go and opt in for those, so. Perfect. We'll make sure that we get the link to those in the comments here for people to to go grab. Um, and also, if you are a podcast person, check out Corinne's podcast, Women Doing Cool Stuff. And uh, listen to, to those stories um, because she's interviewing some really interesting people there, too. So thank you, Corinne. And thank you to everybody who has stayed to the end and listened to this on the podcast or on the uh, Facebook Live. If you're interested in being featured on Hallab Lab, we're now booking, I think, for late January and February. Please do send me a message and let me know. You can find me on all of the social media, or you can send me an email at uh, info at twerp.ca. That's T-W-I-R-P dot C-A. So we will see you next week, and stay social, Halifax.